0: Psalm 1 verse 1. something better, do something different. Um, you know, for, for some of us, it, it has to do with our diet or exercise. For us it may be our resolve to do something different financially uh, to try to be a, a better steward of what God has given me. And um, whatever that looks like, uh, you know, this is a time that a lot of people choose to do that. And I want to take advantage of it. About one of the best things that we can resolve to do that will end up influencing uh, every aspect of our life. So this covers all aspects, not just uh, it's not just a sermon on eating better or spending better or one of those things, but rather it's it's one that can uh, be an umbrella for you. Um, let's begin. Uh, in Psalm 1, verse 1. And Father, I just ask that you would bless the word as we hear it and read it this morning and speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the path of sinners nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in this law he meditates day and night he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and whatever he does it prospers that verse that chapter and verse begins with how blessed is the man the word blessed when you look it up uh, the Hebrew word I, I do not know how to pronounce this uh, it could be Ari or Ari but it's Uh, very short old four-letter word when it's transliterated into English. But that word blessed, the definition of it is uh, happiness or prosperity. So when we put one of those words in there, happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked... Uh, nor stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Or if we were to say prosperous is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in this law he meditates day and night and so on. All of a sudden, maybe you begin to realize that if you want a Happier new year than your previous year, the year that you're wrapping up, if you're hoping that maybe you'll be more prosperous uh, in many ways, um, this little verse is giving you <coughs> guidance in how to have a happier, more blessed, more prosperous life. And this is God speaking, this is not somebody on TV. Uh, who's just trying to fill their coffer or fill their church building by promising you uh, happiness all the time and never any trial or suffering, this is what God says. Now, you know me as your pastor. I I preach about trials and suffering and how God uses them all the time. I talk to you and I'm very honest with you that the Christian walk in order to grow and mature in Christ It requires going through trials. God allows them in our life on purpose. He allows suffering. It says it in the scripture plainly. In James and Peter. and All through God's word. We see his saints, his prophets. Suffering. So this is not a message that says. Follow God and you'll be happy all the time. And never have suffering or trial at all. Because that would be unbiblical. But what it is a message is to say that. If you are desiring a happier life, not a life where there is no problems, but a happier life, you can desire that. You can even have a happier life, a life that is more prosperous in many ways. God says the way to it, and not just in this one verse. This is really something that is written from the Old Testament from the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. This is found in the law that Moses gives. This is found throughout the books of poetry as we're seeing here in the Psalms. It's found in the books of wisdom. It is overwhelmingly in the books of wisdom. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. This message is found in the teachings of Jesus and the Gospels. And it is found in the teachings of Paul Peter, what is that message? The message is that you can be blessed. You will be blessed, which means you will be happier. You will be more prosperous if you do not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, scoffers. That's the first part. If we turn from the sin, the evil, the wicked, if we when it talks about uh, walking and standing and sitting, it's saying don't hang out with. Don't put yourself, don't, don't walk alongside and, and, and walk with people who are doing evil. Don't don't make them your companions and your best friends in life. People who are doing evil, bad company corrupts good character. When you put yourself around people who do things that you know you don't want to be doing, you're going to put yourself in a position where you're more tempted, where you're you're more open to hear a lie, begin to agree with a lie, be pulled into things, activities, that you know in your heart you don't want to do. You hang around with people who cuss a whole lot, You're liable to start picking it up a little bit. You know, you you want to put yourself around people who are doing things right. So he tells us, don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Don't, Don't listen to their advice. Don't listen to what they're saying. Hey, if you want to have a good time, here's how to have a good time. If you want to be happy in life, here's how you be happy in life. He says, don't listen to the counsel of those who are wicked when they tell you how to be happy and how to be prosperous, because their way of guiding you to happiness and prosperity is going to lead you to chains and bondage. But God wants you to be happier and prosperous, but he will teach you the way to do it where there are no chains attached, where there's no trouble added to it, where you can walk in it with great Joy, Something that lasts, as we heard in in uh, one of the readings for Advent, the difference between joy and happiness. It's something, joy lasts through. You can be joyful in the midst of storms and trials and hardships. And that's, happiness is a part of it. Learning to have that flowing out of your life. Walking in it, and so that's what that's what the psalmist is saying here. But as I'm saying, as I'm trying to remind you, we're focusing on a psalm here. But you you guys, if you just read what Moses wrote in the Pentateuch, if you just read the law, it's all about: if you obey me, I will bless you; if you disobey me, curses, judgments, hard things are going to come upon you. Bad things will come. If you obey me, I will keep you in the land that flows full of milk and honey. I will bless you abundantly. I'll keep your enemies at bay on your behalf. If you obey me, you will prosper greatly. But if you disobey me, if you begin to worship other gods, if you begin to do those wicked things as the people before you, I will kick you out of the land of blessing. You see, it's been said all through as we read it here today, don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Don't stand in the path of sinners. And don't sit in the seat of scoffers or mockers. Don't do that. That's not the way to a blessed life, to a life of happiness and prosperity. If you want a life of happiness and prosperity in this coming year, if you want things to begin to move in a different direction in your life, he says, delight yourself in the law of the Lord. Delight yourself in the law of the Lord. Find great joy and delight in God's word. That's what this morning's message is about. I want to encourage all of us, myself included, to read God's word more consistently this year. What a small and simple thing to resolve to do. You're not resolving to fix everything wrong in your life. You're resolving to put more truth inside of you. And you let God, His Spirit and His Word, do the work of uprooting the bad. Shedding light on things that you don't even recognize as sins. You let God be the one who begins to speak to you and empower you to live a more righteous life. A more righteous life is a more blessed life or a happier and more prosperous life. You know, we live in a day and time where truth and right are being questioned so much and so many in leadership, very high roles of leadership, are changing what we have all understood to be the truth or to be right, to be good. They're changing it. And so... Uh, it can it can really begin to maybe play havoc on the mind sometimes. Um, Heather was telling me something came across the news just, uh, I guess a couple of days ago that the Pope is now approved a priest of blessing homosexual marriages. And um, when you we we've we watched many denominations, uh, Christian denominations, you know, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Methodist—just on and on and on. It's, it's a battle going on in Southern Baptist life as well. When we see these these denominational leaders, people who are in high positions, and they're saying that what the Bible calls sin is not sin. They're changing things around and they're adjusting to fit with the culture. And I—the reason I bring this up is not to put down anybody but to just say this. If you feel confused sometimes, join the club. If you if you're looking around you're going, well now am I not seeing something? It is uh, you know, is how do we know what right is? How do you know what right is when your religious leaders are telling you that right that was always right for thousands of years. This is what the church of all denominations has held to and believed, but now it's not right. Now we're changing that. It can be very confusing for anyone trying to follow God or know God. I want you to think about something. Think about all the people who are being told that this is loving. This is not loving. It's very confusing. We live in a time where there's so many questions about what is really loving. We're being told that if we if we don't accept everyone and everyone's views and everyone's ideas, we're not loving. But the same is not true from the other side back. We we we're, we're living in such a confusing time, and, and I'm going to add to that this morning. I'm going to say this: maybe there's times in your life, just moments, where you begin to wonder, does God really exist? Is all this just is all this just talk? Is it all just things that people made up? Is it? Well, I think there's a serious move of confusion, questioning going on, and I think it's why we see so many pulling away from church, the Bible, questioning everything. Everything's on the table. Now, I'm not going to leave you there. That's not a very good message, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes just Thinking, thinking about things can help you come to some resolve. Let me help you do that this morning. All of us can we, we, we all have the opportunity to look at empirical evidence, that is, evidence that we can actually see and grasp. We, we're using the scientific method. We, we can actually put our finger on these things. We, we, can, we can look at many, many, many test elements and see what I'm about to tell you. All right? So if we're trying to figure out, does because remember I'm encouraging you to read the Bible more this year and you will be happier, more prosperous, blessed. Because God says so, right? I'm telling you based on what God has promised, and I believe his promise. Most of you will take him right at his word. But let me speak to anyone who might be just saying, how do I know that's it's true? Well, let me just, let's just talk about this for a moment. Think about this. It, God's word tells us that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Many of us have empirical evidence, experiential evidence that that's true. Many of us know the joy of helping someone and what it does to us on the inside. That it makes us feel really good. Now, you would think that me losing more possessions, more money, and giving it to someone who will never be able to give it back, you would think that by me decreasing in financial uh, position somehow, would make me feel worse. The concept of materialism says that the more I have, the happier I will be. So if I'm giving things away, why do I feel happier? I should feel more sad. But what the Bible says, turns out it's true. When you go and you give to people in need, when you help people, you feel better, not worse. Mm -hmm. Now, if somebody takes something from you, you don't feel better. Right? There's a difference. It's not just the losing of something or the money going out when you get your tax bill, you don't feel happy to pay your taxes most of the time. You don't feel happy paying your rent or house payments. But but when you get the opportunity to give there's joy. There's, it's a really cool thing. How would we have figured that out? God's Word tells us. Amen. There's so many things like that that are nuggets in Scripture. The Bible tells us that we should not steal. Right? But if I'm wanting to get ahead in life and if Darwin's theory of evolution is true and... If the survival of the fittest is an accurate statement, then I should do all that I can to get ahead. And and yet stealing makes me feel really lousy. Stealing makes other people feel really lousy. Lack of trust. Why does lying make us feel bad unless you have totally seared your conscience? (laughs) Why do we feel bad when we've been dishonest? Why do we feel bad when we've stolen? Why? God tells us not to do it, but it's not just because God tells us not to do it. There's a conscience. If you remember telling you, I don't know, months ago, I preached and talked about natural law. The definition of that way back in the ancient times was not what we understand natural law, of gravity and things like that. That's more of a modern Definition of natural law, but the old definition of natural law was those things that, by nature, we know. That's what the ancients, when you when you read Plato and things like that, that's what they understood by natural law was the things that, by nature, man knows God put inside us. Now Plato was not a Christian; he wasn't a Jew, but he believed in God. He believed that he was made. And they understood that that by nature we know that it's wrong to kill, to steal, to take another man's wife or another uh, wife's husband. We we know these things to be wrong in here. We know it because if someone does it to us, it hurts. Here's the beautiful thing, that God's word tells us Not just those things that fit with the way He made us. But His Word also goes on and gives us even more expounding information about this. So whenever I'm asking myself, is God real? Do I have evidence of it? I think I have an amazing amount of evidence that in His Word alone, if if the Bible says that God wrote it, and it does, it says it's God breathed. That it's perfect. That prophets were carried along by the Spirit of God. And what they spoke, they spoke by the Spirit. When I'm questioning, is it true? Is it does it can it be proven that it's true? Well, some people want only want to pick out the part of can I prove that God is true? He's invisible. I can't, therefore, you can never answer the question. But I think that we have a lot of evidence. That is empirical evidence. I think we have a lot of evidence just looking at the word, reading it, and any place that we have done what it says, even if you didn't do what it says because a preacher told you to, even if you have just found in life, not even being a follower of Jesus Christ, even if in life you have found out that by forgiving someone, you feel released. You feel better. There's plenty of philosophers in the world who have come up with things that fit with what the scriptures say. Because over time they've learned this is just a better way to do life. That's why many governments operate around some type of moral code. Because otherwise, how do you how do you know what to govern? What do the police do? What do judges do if we're not there to uphold something good, right? Hear me out, please. See, I think when you read God's Word, you're being instructed on everything in life. When you read God's Word on a regular basis... You never know what proverb or psalm or writing in the Gospels or epistles of Paul that's going to speak to you about your finances, your marriage, how you raise your children, how you treat your enemies, what do you do with the boss who's not very kind or people who aren't very kind. What do you do with someone who's wronged you, done evil to you? What do you do when your heart is full of anger? The Bible's right there repeatedly not just one place you you don't just have to go i know it's in here somewhere guys listen the things i just mentioned every one of those are found from the beginning to end every one of those ideas about money family finance all those things are found from the beginning to the end god talks about money in the old testament law through the uh, books of poetry and wisdom and the prophets in the gospels in the epistles God talks about marriage. God talks about enemies. He talks about what to do. How to love them. How to forgive them. How to pray for them. He tells us that he will get vengeance on our behalf. And we don't have to worry about it. Guys, if you are feeling confusion. If you're not even sure what to confess as sin. If you're kind of going, you know what? I don't know what the big deal is. Everybody else does this. It seems like they do well. I'm going to do the same thing. Everybody else seems to do well not tithing. And I'm not going to tithe either. Everybody else does well going out and living this life, partying, doing whatever. Guys, if, if you're if you want a guide to prosperity, a guide to being blessed and having a happier life, the Bible is it, because it's written by the one who made us. It's written by the one who knows how to connect us to His pipeline. Through which blessings will come. Happiness will come. Even through trials. He can give you joy. That's why he says, Count it joy when you face trials of any kind. Mm-hmm. Count it as joy. It's not a feeling. It's a declaration. Mm-hmm. I know God is working through this trial in my life. How do I know that? Because he says so. How do I know it? Chris Walden, how do you know it? Well, because I now have decades of empirical evidence that God has worked through trials and storms and hardships in my life to break me, to humble me, and make me a better man. I have learned that God makes me a better person when I'm not as arrogant and prideful. I'm a better person. I I like me better. Other people like me better. (laughs) So when God corrects me, Or he humbles me in some way. I understand from God's word that he's working in his work. Even though it's hard and it's embarrassing and it's, it's a rebuke. I understand that it's for my good. And I can see with empirical evidence that truly it is better to be a humble person than a prideful person. And I know with empirical evidence that I myself like humble people more than prideful people. And so do most all of you. We like people who are kind, not people who are hateful. We like people who are forgiving, not people who are vengeful and unforgiving and bitter and full of all that rage and junk. We we all know this. Empirically, we know what we want to be around. We know what makes us feel better. We've all held grudges, and we know that it makes us feel worse. Scientific evidence says that when we don't forgive, it hurts our physical health. Not just our mental health, not just health in relationships, it hurts us physiologically. We know that being anxious and worrying brings about ulcers which hurts us physiologically. But God's word tells us, do not be anxious. Do not worry. You see, what we find in God's word is very, very good counsel for our lives. Because what we need is light and truth that will tell us the right thing. We need a father in our life who will tell us what the right thing to do is when we are feeling like doing the wrong thing. Because we all have in that fallen sinful nature desires in our own plan of handling it the way that we think is best. Or we sit and we go, well, I don't know what to do. You know what makes me feel so good when I don't know what to do? I have a living Father in heaven who does know what to do. And he's written his word and if I just keep a steady, consistent diet of reading his word and asking him to speak to me I'm asking the God of all creation. I'm asking for his wisdom and his counsel to come into me and to help guide me in life. Like he says that his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. And the leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers. Whatever he does, he prospers. See, I think you're going to prosper when you're not so full of pride, but you let God correct you I think you're going to prosper when you forgive your enemies from your heart, as Jesus teaches us. I think you're going to prosper when you don't just let your appetite for lust go crazy. But when you bring things in, repent, confess, and come back to the Lord, I think your marriage will prosper. I think you'll prosper when you're more patient with your children. I think your family and your home will prosper. Again. I think you'll have more joy. I think you will prosper financially when you give away more. I have a heart full of joy. I think you'll prosper more when you don't live for yourself financially so much. I really do. I think that when we learn to be happy on less We save more money, and we give more money. And both things make you happier than buying, buying, buying. But the world, the commercials, everybody's telling us that happiness is found in having more stuff and newer stuff. That all of us in this room have empirical evidence that when we buy new stuff, we are happy in the moment. But we all know that after a given amount of time, the happiness fades, doesn't it? I remember, I remember when my mom and dad, I was in the fourth grade and my mom and dad got me my first motorcycle and it was used but it looked like new. It was beautiful and I, I loved that thing so much I would get up early and go ride it a little bit before the bus would come, at least the first week or two. <laughs> I remember thinking about motorcycles all day long <laughs> at school in elementary. I remember I'm looking at books in the library on motorcycles. It's, it's all I can think about. I'm loving it. I'm talking about it. I, I, just the thrill of my life. After a year, I still love my motorcycle. I don't think about it. In fact, I'm hearing of other kids getting motorcycles and there's a newer, there's a faster, there's a this or there's a that. We do this as adults. We get a car, it's the newest, fastest, greatest, best, whatever. But before you can pay it off, you don't even care about your car anymore. You're just glad it runs. You're not excited about it. In fact, for many people, it feels like chain and a cross hanging around their legs as they make the payments. It doesn't smell new anymore. It doesn't look new anymore, but you're still making the payments. We know materialism does not bring lasting happiness. We know it's short-lived at best. We know that. But we will, when we listen to the counsel of the world, the counsel of the wicked, when we, when we don't listen to God's counsel, listen to other counsel, we can get ourselves into all kinds of problems and messes. We we know that God's word gives us wisdom in every area of life. And I love that it provides it. Now, I'm one that I'm always like, I don't want people to just think the Bible is just a handbook for morals. Right? Because it is so much more than that. But sometimes it's good to put a little bit of focus on just the practicality of God's Word. The practicality of reading your Bible. And letting God speak to you. It's a very practical thing to do. It makes sense to read the Bible with a heart to hear what God is saying. It just makes sense. Now, I cannot preach a message, and leave it at that, the most powerful and precious thing you'll ever get that will bring you happiness and prosperity that comes from this is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because without that, you don't have the forgiveness of sins. You don't know that if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you and purify you from all unrighteousness. You don't know that his love endures forever. You don't know that he who began a good work in you is faithful to bring it to completion. You don't know that you have a high priest who is not unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. On the contrary, we have one who has been tempted in every way yet was without sin. And therefore we should come to him when we are in trouble, when we've sinned, when we've fallen short, when we may You don't know that verse in Hebrews that says that. You don't know it without the Word of God. You see, God is revealing His heart to us. Mm -hmm. This is not just about how to spend your money. It's not just about how to be married. It's not just about how to uh, treat other people, how to be patient, how to be kind, how to be giving and more generous, and how these things will make you happy and blessed. That's all in there. And anybody who's done any of it knows it's true. Therefore, you're getting some validity. The word is being validated by your experience, is it not? How many of you have practiced any parts of the word of God and you've seen it to be true? Most all of us have, at least some portion. Some of you, all that you have experienced is being born again, maybe. But you know the weight that lifted off of you when you gave your life to Christ. You had an experience, and it wasn't just a preacher. Pumping you up with emotion. No, you heard God's word and you responded to it, and you there was something happened in your life. That's experiential knowledge. Guys, this we don't have to wonder like the world. We don't have to live in confusion, and it doesn't matter what office someone holds. When they deny the Word of God, when they deny Scripture, it doesn't matter how powerful, how many people are under them. When they say, well, God's Word doesn't mean that anymore, no longer that, no longer this. Listen, you will be wise to always follow what God's Word says, mm-hmm. not what man says. Mm-hmm. Don't let man take away anything from God's Word and change what God has already spoken every man who changes the word of god is a temporary being who was born at a time and is going to die at a time and face a judgment none of them have the authority to change the word of god none of them no one there is not an office high enough on the planet that allows you to change what god almighty has declared to be right and wrong and as i've been sharing with you this morning we have much evidence in our own lives and in the world when we look at those who have beauty and and great amounts of money out in Hollywood, and we look at those on Wall Street who have immense amounts of wealth and islands and houses and planes and boats, and we see that none of them are really happy because they go through multiple divorces. They end up in all kinds of clinics getting help mentally and emotionally. They see psychiatrists to get through life. It's not in what the world can offer It's, it's in surrendering to God. And just simply reading your Bible and asking Him to teach you. Yeah. I don't have time this morning because I want to really wrap up for an too call time. But someone I think repeatedly says that we should... What we, in that Psalm 119, he, he asked the Lord to teach him. That whole Psalm 119 is the largest psalm in the, out of all of them. Amen. It's all about the Bible. It's all about reading the Word of God, loving the Word of God, what the Word of God will do for you. But repeatedly through there, he says, Teach me. Teach me. Teach me. Give me understanding. Incline my heart. Help me. And that's what I want to encourage all of us shouldn't just go to the Bible with your intellect trying to figure it out. There's a lot of gems lying right on the surface for you. Like I've been sharing. Don't lie, don't steal. Be kind, forgive. They're right there on the surface for picking up. But the real power to obey the Word of God is when the Spirit of God speaks to your heart. The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing the Word. And, And I want you to understand something. Hearing. Has to do with you really getting it. Did you really hear me, or did you just hear? me? Because faith didn't come by by just hearing my voice talking to you. But if you really heard what I'm saying, faith comes by that. That's what God is saying. You can read the Bible, you can read it out loud, and you can audibly hear it with your ears. But did you really hear what God was saying? Because if you did, then that brings about faith that helps you to begin to live differently. I hope that this morning's sermon, just getting you to think and consider that the Bible has already proven itself true in many, many ways. Even if you're not quite in the place of believing all the prophecies really are fulfilled and all those things, even if even if you're still not sure about God who you can't see, touch, or hear, the Bible, its message, its wisdom has already proven that it is true. It's true because many of us have practiced it. Even the simple practical morals we know. When you have people who are not even, were not even followers of Christ when they lived, who declared it's the it's the greatest moral code. Thomas Jefferson said that. Benjamin Franklin they, they believed that the Bible had the best moral code out of any religion in the world. Mm-hmm. And Thomas Jefferson did a detailed study of every religion on the planet at his time, and he wrote a book about it. And he said, by far, above all of them, the Bible has the best. There's a reason. Because of the offer. Amen. I believe if you'll take God's word and say, you know what, if, if it's true and it's right on how giving to others makes me feel blessed, forgiving people makes me feel blessed, the way that it gives me advice on how to be in marriage, the way that it gives me advice on how to handle money, and all these other things, if, it, if I find it true in all these other areas, don't you think it at least gives us A good foundation to say what it it speaks of regarding God and how to have a relationship with Him and how to be forgiven and how to have eternal life. that those things also are true. If we can see the practical evidence, the empirical stuff is true, if we know that by living the way that it says to live, we're going to be more happy, more prosperous, Guys, the best best way to be more happy and more prosperous is to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. But even if you haven't made that decision and you just begin to read the Bible daily and begin to pray and ask God to help you be a doer of it, ask Him to speak to you and help you to obey Him each day in what you read, I promise you'll have a better 2024 than you have 2023. Amen. It doesn't take monumentous changes. Just take one bite at a time, small thing. Sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Beautiful little verse. Maybe the Lord just speaks to you, you know. And you just, that day you decide, I'm going to begin to sing to the Lord in my car. I'm going to begin to sing to the Lord. It's something that simple, God speaks to you, and you begin to obey Him and the kind of joy and happiness that can begin to come. Kim was already kind of feeling led to do this and speak to you earlier, and it's, it's odd that you know, I say it's odd, it's, it's the Lord. <laughs> uh, in my office, I was sensing that same thing. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning as we wrap up our service Just literally to have an altar call. Come and kneel at the altar. Come and kneel up at the front pew. If you can't get up, move. Kneeling is just out of the question. Kneel in your heart, right where you are. But ask God. Are there some things in my heart, in my life? Is there some practices, some habits that you want me to give up so that I can be closer to you this year? If he speaks to you, if he begins to show you things, I can tell you this, God's already been speaking to me. He was speaking before I came in here. He was speaking to me more when Kim was saying it. I know there are things in my life that are obstacles. There are things that are in the way of me walking more closely with God. I want to give you an opportunity to put those things at the altar. To resolve, to surrender those things to the Lord and to resolve to read your Bible more. Well, I don't know. Read the Bible in a year. Pull out a map. Go to a daily devotional. Buy a book at a Christian bookstore. Whatever your preference is. But do a daily devotional. Read your Bible daily. Get more truth in God's Word inside of you this year. I'm going to ask you to stand. There's going to be a song to begin to play.
1: And as it does, uh,
0: I will be here at the front if you want to pray with someone. <coughs> Otherwise, I'm just going to invite you if the whole room I want you to find a place somewhere at the front. You just come. Come and take that time and just pray to the Lord and and, and lay things at the altar. Surrender your new year to him. Surrender resolve to make things different this year. Let God have his way in your life this, this morning as we start 2024.